Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. I am so excited you chose to join us um, on a Sunday morning, especially when I woke up this morning. It was pouring rain, and I'm like, oh, wow, attendance could be a little bit sketchy today, but no, we made it out. So thank you guys so much um, for coming out. We are kind of smack at the end of, so if you're new around here, maybe it's your first time, you're kind of diving into this week. We're on week three of this series, okay? So what I'm going to do before we um, go into week three is I'm going to kind of try to catch everybody up in terms of where we've been and and what this series is all about. Because in this series called Exodus, we've been looking at the life of a guy. We've been looking at a guy who is a historical figure. He's in the scriptures, but he's also big in terms of history, okay? And this guy's name is Moses. And Moses, from a very young age, what happened was he was living in Egypt, and his mom gave birth to him, but his people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt. So Moses actually was placed in a river um, in a basket where he was adopted by the Egyptian princess. Um, Kind of hard to believe, but those are actually the events that happened. Moses grew up in this royal family, and then one day he saw that his people, the Israelites who were in Enslaved were being abused. This Egyptian guard was abusing this slave, and so Moses actually killed this Egyptian guard. You following me on this? This is just a little catch up. So Moses had to flee. Moses got out of there, like we do on 95 when the lights go on, like right, right. We got getting out, getting out of there, getting out of Dodge. And so Moses fled and ended up in a new town with a new family. Ended up getting married, had a son, um, and then kind of a miracle happened, and God spoke to Moses in the form of this burning bush, okay? And God spoke to Moses, and he said, Moses, I am going to choose you to go tell Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, to go let my people go, to go, go, go let the Israelites go, okay? And so Moses kind of fought with God about that, but on week one, what we did was we kind of said, okay, this is Moses's burning bush over here. Every one of us in our own lives have some sort of a burning bush that we need to deal with, something that we feel like God has called us to do but maybe we've put it off. So I want to kind of catch you up on that because I'm going to reference it today. So sure enough, Moses and his brother Aaron went and they went to Egypt and they said to Pharaoh, let these people go. And Pharaoh said no over and over. That's when the plagues started, where the plagues of frogs and gnats and then the killing of the firstborns and each Egyptian home happened. And Pharaoh finally threw his arms up and said, okay, I'll let the people go. And then they left But Pharaoh wasn't done. He pursued them again till they got to this place known as the Red Sea, where God allowed Moses to part the Red Sea. You've probably seen this image many times. Maybe you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, and the Israelites crossed right through the Red Sea on dry land. And then as the Egyptian army pursued them, God allowed Moses to collapse the waters on them, and they were never to be heard from again. And that's where we pick it up today. So if you want to go back for the last two weeks, if you haven't been here, you're trying to catch up, those are online on our website, SoFloChurch.com. This is the culmination kind of of this three-week talk, conversation, series, whatever you want to call it. But why I love this so much and why I love that we're talking about this so much is because this is actually very relevant and alive even still today. Because this is why, these events are why the Jewish people, you see this in media and on the news, these events are, are why the Jewish people claim that Israel is theirs. This is the reason that this happened, okay? So we pick it up today in Exodus chapter 15. So if you have a scripture with you, you can open it. If not, any mobile device will do just fine. But if you always want to check out our screens, it's always going to be available on there as well. So we pick up right after the Red Sea has kind of collapsed. 
Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. This is just an example of something. There are many of these things that happen, and I would tell you to even go dig deeper into the text during your week if you want to find out more about what was happening during this time. But this is just one example that I wanted to share with you to describe what was happening to the Israelites right now, okay? The Israelites were wandering through the desert. They were lost, okay? Maybe even Moses was lost. They didn't know where where they were going. They were trying to figure this out. They were just kind of wandering aimlessly through the desert. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship or maybe you're married or maybe you're, you're just out of a relationship, whatever your case is, how do you react if you're driving and your spouse claims to know where they're going and they do not? And they refuse to turn on the GPS or they refuse to, because I got this, right? You're You're irritated, you're upset, and rightfully so, because why? This person doesn't know where they're going. You're leading me astray. I'm hot. I'm not getting to where I need to be on time. I know it's South Florida, but I don't want to be known for South Florida time, right? That's how I feel. And so basically, the Israelites kind of felt the same way. And so I kind of use this phrase to describe them. They were not happy campers. Now, I don't know where the phrase happy camper came from. I don't know, like, I've heard it before, but I don't know, like, I've I've not met a lot of happy campers. I mean, some people enjoy camping. I mean, I camp at the Hilton, like, that's where I camp. And so, but the Israelites were not happy campers at this point. And let me tell you why. Because they were thirsty, they were hungry, and they were under attack. Physically, emotionally, they were just done. They were not happy. They were not happy with Moses. They were not happy with God. They're like, listen, you came and told us, Moses, that you were going to lead us out of these horrendous conditions to this promised land. And now we're thirsty and starving, wandering through the desert. Why in the world did we listen to you? Don't miss this. They actually said the words, we had it better in Egypt. They actually said the words, we had it better when we were slaves in conditions that were unbearable. They actually said that they had it better in Egypt. That's how bleak it was during these moments. That's how bleak these times were for the Israelites who Pharaoh finally let go. But their journey took them to a place. Their journey took them to a place called Mount Sinai in Egypt. And there's these events kind of unfold here, right? And I want to talk about these events for a while. Now, I want to show you just a little bit of what Mount Sinai looks like, because it's a mountain in Egypt, and there it is. And, you know, I've been doing, like, the typical church thing for the past couple of weeks, like putting up, like, old photos, you know, like you see on the second floor of every Baptist church in, you know, in America. That's fine. This, this is probably there, too. But, but what I mean is, it just gives you perspective for what we're actually talking about and what we're actually looking about, looking at. And Moses, in this moment, was about to go up to the mountain, and he was about to have a conversation with God. And God was about to give him some instructions about what was going on. And in Exodus chapter 19, it says this. It said, you yourselves have seen what I did. This is God talking to Moses. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, right? And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself, 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, and he says, if you do this, if you keep my covenant and do the things that I tell you to do, you will be my blessed and chosen people, you Israelites. But see, there was a problem here. The Israelites weren't getting all this information. The people were not to touch the mountain. Only Moses was to go up there. Only Moses was to go up there and communicate with God. So here's this conversation. You have these frustrated Israelites, starving, hungry down below. You have these frustrated people. And then only Moses is allowed to go up to the mountain to get these instructions from God. But see, something big was about to happen because these Israelites had been in Egyptian slavery for a long time. So just in my opinion, God needed to hit the reset button and he knew it. He needed to hit the reset button and kind of give some instructions to these people again because it had been kind of a long time since they were going to get into this land. So in this moment, this is the actual moment where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Now, I know even if you've never been in church before or you're, you know, you're new to church, you've probably at some point in your life heard of the Ten Commandments, whether it's been in culture or whether it's been in a movie or whatever it is, you have probably heard of these things called the Ten Commandments, and they're good things for our lives. God gave us these instructions. He gave his people these instructions based on how they should live, and so what I wanted to do today I didn't want to like just go through all 10 because, I mean, you know, that could take us a long time to go through them, but I wanted to give you a couple of hits, okay? A couple from the hit list that I think that you might be able to just go, yeah, I can relate to that one, and this one might mean something to me, or, uh, okay? So here's one that he gave Moses, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. Seems reasonable. I've delivered you from where you are. Don't worship anything before you worship me. Don't worship idols. Don't worship money. Don't worship each other. You shall have no other gods before me. Seems pretty reasonable. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, I want to talk about this and why this is serious, because a lot of us just kind of slough this one off, especially in today's society, in today's culture. And we use the phrase, even I'm guilty of it, where I say, oh my God. Or even worse, where we might say the phrase to describe something, Jesus Christ, which is not good. Because let me tell you what that does. It is misusing the name of the Lord, our God. Now, we say those phrases generally when we get frustrated. I don't know about you, but um, I want to stop doing that. Therefore, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are, another, or there are a number of other obscenities that you can use besides those two words, okay? Um, and you've probably, heard, you've, I mean, you've probably heard many of them, and you've probably used them. But I, I mean, I remember when I was a kid growing up, like I remember like hearing the, the A, I had the A word, like I you know, had that, I had the S word, and then there was the SH word, and then there was the D word, and then the F word, and all, I mean... And, Use any of those if you, I'm not like saying, like, I'm not vouching for you to use any of them, but I, I, you know, but use your words carefully, but use any of those before you use this, okay? This is important, okay? So do, do whatever you got to do there, right? Okay? Because we don't want to misuse the name of God. It's important, right? Don't, kids, if you're a teenager in the room, I did not give you permission to do that and go home, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you that. I do not, I do not want calls from parents in this room. Anyway, the next one that he gave was so important. And I think it's something that's going to hit a lot of us kind of right between the eyes because it's something that every single person in culture today, specifically in South Florida, probably struggles with. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You know what this means? It means that we all need rest. 
means we all need a time to unwind. means we all need a time to hit the, hit the, tap the brakes and to go, let me take a breath. Because I don't know if you're like me, but there are so many notifications on my phone going off at all times that I'm just like ADD nonstop, right? I'm getting Facebook message notifications. I'm getting texts. I'm getting phone calls. And now Apple rewrote the algorithm. So anytime someone calls your mobile device, everything in your home rings. It's like rescue 911. It's like, I don't know when this happened, right? And so I'm just like, man... We got to figure this out. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It's just sometimes we just need to tap the brakes and have a rest. And that's what we need to do. Exodus 20, 12 is a tough one. Honor your father and your mother so that they may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And let me tell you why. This is tough for some people, for some of us, because we've been hurt by our parents. Some of us have gone through things. It's not the easiest relationship that we have in our life. Some of our kids have done wrong to us. And so we're just like, how does this make sense? I don't have all the answers, but I know that this is God's truth. And so we have to figure out in some way how to apply it to each of our lives. Exodus 20, 13 is something that you should avoid. Thou shalt not murder, okay? This will put you in jail, and you do not need to be in jail. Like, jail is a bad place. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't think the food has improved over the years in jail. Like, I just feel, you know. Um, and Exodus 20, 14 is another one. This is another commandment. You should not commit adultery. I'll tell you this, I've sat across from couples and had conversations and someone's committed adultery. And you know what? I've never seen it go well. Like I've never been like two people like going, man, this is really exciting that this happened to us, right? We were doing really well because, no, this is a bad idea. This is when you physically choose to cheat on the person that you are dating, married to, whatever that looks, this is adultery, okay? Don't do this. It's a bad idea. Exodus 20:18 might be the most important one of all time. Here it is. You shall not wear white after Labor Day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's not in there. But it is kind of funny, and we just thought that we'd have, have some fun with it. No, that's not in the scripture, I, I promise. Um, but what I believe and why I believe these are so important, I believe this is so important because I believe God gave us commandments to help us honor him and avoid regret. I believe that God gave us commandments so that we could honor him with all of our lives and then we could avoid the regret that goes along with when we break those commandments because there is such regret. We've talked about that. The last series we did before this one was called Dumb Decisions where we talked about making wise choices and living with less regret in our life because we've all done some pretty stupid things. And I believe that God gave us these, gave Moses these to give to the people to help us honor him and avoid regret. And next... God gave Moses chapters of instructions. I mean, God gave Moses instructions on how to build things, how to do things, how to act, and how to behave. He gave him instructions on an ark, right? And this is not the same ark like from the guy Noah, like in the book of Genesis. This is a different ark. Like this is the ark that Harrison Ford was going after in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like that's real. Like this is the ark of the covenant, okay? Um, and these, like the instructions were detailed, right? Like they, if you go back and look through these instructions, man, they were so detailed. It's like filling out a Schedule A on your tax return, right? It's just detailed stuff. He gave Moses instructions on how to deal with disputes, okay? How to deal with disputes and go, this is how you should resolve conflict. He gave Moses instructions on the tabernacle, this place where people were, would go to worship God. Moses, this is how it should be done. But there was a problem because Moses was up there with God for a while and the people down below weren't allowed to even touch the mountain, and the people were becoming weary. 
The people were becoming weary, much like many of us would. Wait, wait a second. I'm starving. I'm thirsty. I could die out here. I'm in the middle of nowhere. This guy's been telling me what I need to do. He's nowhere to be found now. Like, is he even coming back down? We're, we're weary. And then in Exodus, it says this again. It says in Exodus 32, then the Lord said to Moses, because the Lord knew this was going on. He said, go down. Because your people who you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made them an idol cast in the shape of a calf. And I told you the first commandment that we talked about was, you shall not worship any other gods before me. And the people who had grown weary had made this golden calf. And they were worshiping it and bowing down to it because they had lost hope so quick. Think about this. Think about how quick they lost hope in a matter of days. In a matter of days, they're like, well, the blessing of God, all the things that he's done for us, we're just going to forget and we're going to worship something else. We had a good run. Things went well for a couple of days, but now we're moving on. So Moses went down that mountain. And let me tell you something. Moses was hot. Moses was angry. In fact, the tablets that the Ten Commandments were recorded on, Moses crushed them and broke them. That's how angry that he was, that people, his people, had already turned away from the God that had done so much for them in their lives. And there were other events that happened that, to be honest, we don't have the time to go into today. You know, somebody after first service and I were having a conversation, they're like, you know, you, there were some events that you left out. I was like, yeah, we have to leave some of the events of this story out or we'll be here till July 4th. Like, I mean, it was, every single, there's a, it's, just a, it's a long, long story of Moses' life. But there were some events that involved some spies trying to figure out what the promised land looked like and God got mad and punished them. And one of their punishments that they had was the Israelites wandered through the desert just like they were doing for 40 years. They did this for 40 years. Imagine doing this for 40 straight years and how treacherous and difficult it must have been. So I started to ask myself, hey, why would God let them wander for so long? Why would God, okay, so God's led them here. Okay, they're his people. Yeah, he's mad and they, they did some things they shouldn't have. Yeah, he's upset. But why would God let them wander for so long? Why would God let them do this? I mean, why, why would he actually not intervene and make this shorter or make it easier for them? And the only answer that I could come up with, and this is where we come to the practical at Downtown Harbor Church. Because every single week we try to bring it home to how does it fit into our everyday life right here and now. And see, for us, a lot of us are on a journey much like the Israelites were. It might be different for every single person in the room, but we're on a journey. And when he let them wander through the desert for 40 years, this is something that I believe. I believe that they had a lot of learning to do. I believe they had a lot of faith to gain. And sometimes in our life, when we address that burning bush, the thing that I talked about on week one, the thing that we know that God has for our life and that we know that we should do and that we know we should go after and we want it immediately because that's the kind of culture we're in. We get information right now, right now, right now. Sometimes we are going to have a lot of learning to do before we get it right. Sometimes it takes us a long time to get it right. Over and over and over again. 
I told you about our burning bush and what mine was and when we launched Downtown Harbor Church. And you know what? We're people who just kind of sit around and go, we want to figure out what works. We want to figure out what works for us and our people. That's why we're trying new things constantly to figure out where we, how we can meet people right where they're at. That's why a huge priority for us at this church is on kids and families. We value that to an immense level, right? Sometimes it takes a long time to get it right. And so Moses... The story goes on and on and on, and you can read it in chapters in the scripture, just chapters of it. But then you know what? If I were Moses and I had gone through all this and I had followed God, even though I didn't want to and I had a lot of self-esteem issues and I had listened to these grumbling people the entire time that they were wandering through the desert and then they turned their back on God, henceforth they turned their back on me, I think, hey, I would think, hey, once we finally make it to the promised land, I hope that there's a big reward waiting for me. I hope that there's a ribeye on a platter and a nice glass of wine. I mean, like I would want it all, right? Like going just, I want my reward because I've worked so hard. But unfortunately, that didn't happen for this guy. And in Deuteronomy 34, it says this. It says, then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. Then the Lord showed him the whole land. Moses, that's the land that you've led these people to. That's the land that you've been going after for 40 years. There it is. But then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. When I said, hold on, don't go. These are his ancestors, okay? These are Moses' ancestors. I promised this land to your ancestors, and I chose you to lead these people who were in slavery out of there. And he said this, I will give it to your descendants. But this is what God then said to Moses. But then he said, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Wait, 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 wait. If, if I were Moses and I would be having this conversation with God, this massive creator of the universe who sent me on this mission that I probably didn't understand and never could comprehend how big of a mission this was. Wait, wait, wait a second, God. You're telling me that now I don't even get to go and experience what I led all these people to? What do you mean? What do you mean I'm not going to get to go in? What do you mean that I'm not going to go get to be a part of that? What, I don't understand. Imagine hearing that after all of these years. Imagine hearing that after all these years. And some of you in your own life, in your own personal situations, you know exactly what that feels like. Wait a second. I've worked at this job for so long, you gave him the promotion? Wait a second. I'm the good kid in my family, and you're giving that to her? My, why? I don't understand. After all this time? And then in Deuteronomy 34, it goes on. It says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord has said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. And since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all of these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So we kind of go, man, that kind of ends depressing. Stay with me. Kind of like, man, I got the short end of the stick. Stay with me. 
See, because here's the, here's the truth. Moses didn't even make it. Moses didn't even make it. And for some of us in our life, whatever that looks like, we're not going to make it. And it may not even be physically. It may not be death that takes us out. But we may have an idea that somebody else takes. We may have something that's brewing in our hearts. And then we go, we, we go start it and someone else takes it after we're done. And we don't even see the end of it. We don't even make it. We tend to say around here a lot related to faith. You know what? Sometimes you can't always see it. We say this about our kids downstairs with our volunteers because I don't know if you know this, but I was a kids uh, pastor, like, you know, director for years before we started Downtown Harbor Church. I led volunteers. That's all I've ever done in my entire life. And then I said to him, you know, you can't always see the difference you're making, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. I said to a preschool leader one time, there is no way a three-year-old's going to come up and put their hand in yours and say, thank you for guiding me spiritually in my life. It's not going to happen, Right? And so we need to understand that, that just because we don't make it or just because we can't always see it doesn't mean that God's not working. It doesn't mean that God isn't doing something miraculous through us and through our lives over and over again. But we're human beings, so we tend to go, well, I didn't get what was promised to me. I didn't get my reward. Is God even real? And I want to tell you this. For me in my life, I've just learned one thing, and it's a small thing, but I think it's so true and so practical, and we can put it into practice in our lives and understanding right here, right now, and it's this. It's the journey, not the destination. And so often, we are focused on the destination. If I don't get that, if I don't make it here, if I can't get to where I know that I'm supposed to be, God's not present, it's not working, might as well give up. The life of Moses, one of the most famous people ever to be in history, was a prime example of this. It's the journey, not the destination. And then you have to ask yourself, well, that doesn't seem fair. I don't know that God ever promised us fairness. I think that God just promised us that he was going to be with us. And that we were going to go along a journey with him by our side. And we have to figure out what that looks like and what that means every single day, every single week. And that's why we're doing this at Downtown Harbor Church. That's why we're doing this together so we can sit and have conversations and unpack this to go, man, why did that happen to him? What do you think? What do you think? Here's the truth. Fact of the matter. You might not ever see the results of your work, but God is still present. And oh boy, is he present. You might not ever see the results of your work, but he is there. He was by Moses' side every step of the way, and he is still ever present and will never leave you. So I go back to where we started when we started this message series, and I ask this question. I say, if we talk about what's over here in the form of this burning bush, this thing that you know that you're supposed to do, that God said to Moses, you go do this. And everybody in the room has a different one. Everybody in the room has a different burning bush. This thing that you know that you need to do. When are you going to do it? And when are you going to understand that the journey is not going to be as easy as you think it's going to be? And when are you going to understand that even though you address it, you might not even see the end of it? And when are you going to see that that's okay? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And don't get me wrong, gang. 
Someone said to me after the first service, I'll never forget it. They go, you know what? I love the messages at DHC, but they are hard to put into practice. Yes, they are. They're brutal. Like, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about addressing our burning bush, and I was like, you know, what is my wife going to say to me in the car on the way home? What's hers that we need to do? But it's true. We need to, we need to do that. We, we got to do this. When we do this, our lives are changed. They're different. Our community is different. You might not ever see the results of your work, but God is still present. Never forget that because it's real easy to lose sight of how important this is. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Jesus, we are just so in awe of you. Jesus, we're in awe of you that you lived thousands of years after these events. And I just pray that you would be a part of this moment where people are coming before you and just saying, God, I know that I need to do something. I just need your help to do it. And I'm so thankful, God, for the example of Moses. I'm so thankful for the example of his life and how it's historically documented and you led him every step of the way. And I know that you do that for us as well. Lord, would you bless us? Would you guide us? Would you help us? All of us are dealing with this right where we're at. And we need your presence to fill this room and fill our lives so that we can go out there and conquer as you want us to do. Whatever that is for us personally. And God, we pray this today all in Jesus' name. Amen.